Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rona is solo here today for the next two hours, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. You can always check out the show on demand if you can't listen live. Usually post immediately after the show, so just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified. There's a lot to get to on the show today because we were off yesterday, so lots to talk about today. Mostly baseball today, and I'll have several guests as well coming up at 2.40 p.m. Eastern. Anthony Aniano from rotoballer.com. He is taking part in the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League, which is underway. It's a slow draft. So similar to the Draft Champions Leagues that I talk about quite often, where you draft your team and that is it. No waiver wire moves. You just set your lineup and that's it. So that draft is underway. So we'll talk to Anthony about his team. Matt Modica, who we have on regularly, he's also a participant in that. So we will talk to him about his team at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. And then at 3.40 p.m. Eastern, we will talk to Steve Renner of Scout DFS, who had a huge night last night in the NHL, won $36,600 between FanDuel and DraftKings, 25K almost on DK, 12 on FanDuel. So uh, ScoutDFS.com for hockey, the place to be. And I guess I should have been in it because uh, with the All-Star break, I really don't do hockey much. But uh, you can sign up now using the promo code HOTNHL to get 50% off your first month of your NHL DFS. And the sub comes with a free seven-day trial. So uh, after you use the promo code HOTNHL, the NHL subscription is $10 a month. So it's a recurring subscription, and it expires at midnight tonight. So you need to act fast. So we will talk to Steve about the strategy, what he did, and what he continues to do is he's been on fire. So that'll come up towards the end of the show. You could also check out scoutfantasysports.com right now. Uh, I put an article out today of a player that you want to draft after around 15, 16, who a guy I think is going to break out and hit 30 home runs. And if you look at his numbers last year, you'll be like, where the hell did you get that from? It doesn't look like he's even close to doing that. But I explain why in this article. So check it out now. If you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. Our draft kit is fire. Uh, Sean Childs continues to run through his in-depth team outlooks as the Dodgers and Rockies are the latest teams that he has posted. And as players sign, he updates them. So he is almost done with every team. You can get a free sample of the Red Sox and Orioles. If you are like, ah, you're talking a lot of trash, how good is it? Well, see for yourself. Free sample, Orioles, Red Sox, you're going to be like, wow, this is ridiculous. This is really going to get me ready for my draft. And then you'll sign up. Dr. Roto has begun his team previews, uh, looking at the Atlanta Braves. 
and I have a ton of uh, articles up looking at different players and uh, their fantasy value, for, uh, many of them changing teams. Daniel Murphy, Nelson Cruz, Yasiel Puig, Sonny Gray, looking at Jesus Aguiar was his breakout for real. A couple of players that I think are being uh, overvalued right now in drafts, and I don't want on my team this year based on the price. So a lot of content up in that fantasy baseball draft kit. So check it out today. Um, definitely going to put you in the direction of win. And if you have any questions, you can always ask them in the message boards and forums as a member. A lot of people asking keeper questions and always tricky with the ones where, you know, you have a real cheap player and then you have a real good player at a solid price and you know that he's going to go 10 to $15 more. So if you have those, we'll break it down for you. We'll give you some good insight and answers as well uh, when you become a member today. So plenty of ways to win money on uh, Scout fantasysports.com and scout dfs we have you covered in a multitude of ways but let's kick it off looking at the big news of the day and that is manny machado has finally signed a contract it's with the padres and we kind of had an idea that this could possibly happen they were one of the teams being mentioned uh he gets a 10-year 300 million dollar contract now i know some are uh, i think john Heyman was saying it's not official yet they don't even have a schedule a physical schedule but it's going to happen. It's just a matter of uh, when it is officially announced. But all signs indicate that Machado is going to go to the Padres. We've already seen their odds of winning the World Series has gone uh, from 100 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to 66 to 1. I've seen their win total has gone up 3 to about 79.5. So Machado landing in San Diego and everyone's initial reaction is like, oh, that sucks. That's the Padres. And what about the ballpark? Uh, but the ballpark for right-handed hitters is not as bad. Uh, sure, it's not Camden Yards, and he obviously went over to the Dodgers last year. We did see that one year where Machado had extreme splits. I think he had a year where his OPS on the road was under 700. But for the most part, uh, this is a guy that can hit anywhere. So to me, he's still someone that you could look at at the end of the first round in the 15-team league, early second round. I think he's still in that range. So I'm not downgrading him too much. Obviously, uh, the Padres really don't have the pitching right now, but they have one of the best farm systems in baseball, and they have a lot of young prospects coming up. So it looks like Machado will start at third base for the Padres this year. They obviously have uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who they'll bring up. He'll probably play short, and Urias uh, will probably play second. They have Ian Kinsler there for this year, but obviously an aging veteran just filling in the gaps for this year. And who knows? Maybe they make the change this year as well. So at least we finally have a home for Machado. And again, I think a lot of people are going to downgrade him. I would not push him down too far. Uh, obviously, the Padres have a plethora of outfielders, too. That's something that needs to be sorted out. We'll see if they make a trade. They have a, some intriguing young arms, but certainly some question marks. But they are uh, spending some money here. And Machado has been one of the more consistent players in baseball the last couple of years. Obviously, the big key to his value is the stolen bases. How many steals will he get uh he had 14 last year he had nine in 2017 keep in mind though for the orioles were a team that typically doesn't run much he did have the year in 2016 where he didn't have any i think he was dealing with a knee injury that year he did play in 157 games so he's been a durable player the last four years still very young and in the prime of his career a good defensive player he's 26 years old turns 27 in july so uh it's been Four straight years of at least 33 home runs. Last year, 100 RBIs for the first time, but he's been really close, uh, 96, 95, 107 the last uh, three years. So 
certainly think uh, he'll still put up solid numbers for sure. So I think to me, late first round, early second round in a 15-team league, that's where uh, you know he should be picking. We'll see where I take him. I've already taken him in a couple drafts in late in the first round. We got our spots today for the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, obviously, that's a, a league where a lot of industry uh, participants are in it. Uh, it's expanded from last year. I think there's tw- I think there's 23 leagues of 15 teams this year. So last year, I was able to win my league. And what they did is they put all the champions in one league. So uh, it kicks off on the 24th, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's a slow draft. And I will be picking number 12 in that one. So it's going to be a challenge. Definitely a competitive league with all the champions from last year. So going to be... A good, fun draft, and I'll go over it as we go on. Um, Also in a draft right now uh, where you guys can sign up as well. I'm going to talk about this draft a little bit later on. It's the Scout 44s and 88. You can go to playffwc.com and sign up. Right now, there's the uh, four-hour clock. Um, You got the MLB 44s. That's $44 to enter. And the season ends a little bit earlier, September 1st, so it doesn't cut into your football time. And all you have to do is draft your team and set your lineup that's it no waivers no trades nothing so you just do the draft and that's it so there's a beat dr roto league uh for 44 bucks nine spots left there and there's a beat dr roto 88 dollar league seven spots left there so once the draft is full it will take off uh my beat adam ronis league is underway uh we are flying actually today is actually it slowed down a little bit but uh great job by everyone i mean the picks have been flying i think it started like two days ago and we're in round 11, uh, so we've been hammering out the picks, and I will go over my team and some of the strategy, and it's a lot different. These are 12-team leagues. I know a lot of leagues we talk about are 15, so sometimes it's a little bit of an adjustment, but uh, we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. But I do have Machado in several leagues already. Uh, I was hoping, obviously, Philly would be the ideal spot for him, but again, I don't think it's going to crush Machado too much. I still think he's a, a late first, early second round pick. And depending on your league format too, uh, you'll get the multiple position eligibility. Uh, last year, in some leagues, he's eligible at third and short right now. It really depends on the games played. Uh, he played 16 games last year at third base. So in leagues that require 20 games or more from the previous season, he's only shortstop eligible right now. But there are some formats where it's 10 or 15 from the year before. So he has eligibility at third and short. So that helps to with some flexibility. Although I do feel shortstop's a very deep position this year compared to recent years. Uh, third base, not as deep. So again, it all depends on the flow of the draft and what you draft. And you might be drafting you know, a shortstop in that position. So maybe you move Machado to third, plug in a short, and then put your middle infield guy at short. So... Uh, Plenty of ways that you can go with the versatility there. But finally, Manny Machado has signed a deal. He has a team, and obviously the next domino to fall, or the big one, is Bryce Harper. And I think we all expect him to land in Philadelphia, and uh, hopefully that comes in the next day or two. And then some of these other free agents that we've been waiting on uh, trickle-down effect, and we start to see them sign. Some of the other news going on right now is uh, Mike Moustakis. Obviously, that happened yesterday, but... He signed a contract with the Brewers and uh, with a mutual option for the 2020 season. And Moustakis, you know, should have gotten paid more 
and unfortunately, he turned down that qualifying offer from Kansas City a couple years ago and uh, is actually going to wind up making less money. But from a fantasy perspective, you know, I like the move. There's talk that he's going to play second base, uh, which is interesting uh, because they did say Travis Shaw would stick at third base. We saw Shaw last year at second base, but apparently they're going to give Moustakas a shot at second base here in the spring and see how he fares. And obviously for fantasy, that would be not not a major shift in his value, but knowing that you'll get second base eligibility at some point during the season, uh, you know, you probably could use him there. That's a guy that could hit 30 home runs at, at second base. Last year, the total numbers over the course of the season with Milwaukee and Kansas City, he batted 251 with 66 runs, 28 homers, 95 ribbies, and four stolen bases. Two years ago, he had 38 home runs playing in Kansas City. We know that's a tough park to play in. So now he gets to spend the full season in Milwaukee, which is a really good hitter's park. And he's pretty cheap in drafts right now. I mean, not someone that I would target, but if you're in the middle rounds of a draft and you got a third base vacancy and you can use 30 home runs, he certainly fits in there. I would think he hits fifth or sixth in the order. Uh, that is a good lineup here. we got Kane and Yelich and Aguirre, Shaw, Braun, Moustakas, Yagron, Dahl. I mean, it's a really good lineup. Now, what it does is it does hurt some guys that I've been taking in, like, the 30th to 40th round of draft champions leagues. Hernan Perez was a guy I thought that might play second base to begin the year or get a lot of at-bats. Now he is clearly in a utility role off the bench. Same with Corey Spangenberg, who I just took in, like, round 42. Uh, his value is squashed, obviously, if there's injuries, and those guys – still have some value in those draft championships later on, but the path to consistent at-bats got a lot more dicey with these additions, and I think a lot of people were excited about Keston Yura, their top prospect in the minor leagues, who they expected to come up at some point this year and play uh, second base. Now, it's certainly still possible it could happen, especially if the guy tears it up, and we know that it's a long baseball season and injuries could happen, so he could still be up, but it looks like the path to playing time got a lot more difficult for Keston here as Mike Moustakis goes back to the Brewers. And again, solid fantasy player if you're looking for some pop. Never been a great average guy. Uh, 251 career hitter. He was at 251 last year. 272 two years ago and 240. As we've seen a lot of guys with the average fluctuate. Moustakis is one of those guys. Look at since 2014, his average is a 212, 284, 240, 272, 251. Just all over the map. Uh, for sure, but definitely a good situation here in Milwaukee. Good hitters ballpark, so you got to like that move for Moustakis. Justin Upton is dealing with patellar tendonitis in his right knee, so he is hitting off a tee right now, and obviously the Angels are going to be cautious here. He's a veteran, doesn't need many at-bats here in the spring. It's a little bit of a worry. It is still early. It's only February 19th. You know, Upton is a guy that I, in the past that I usually have on a lot of my teams, but... Uh, I have not taken Upton yet. It's just in that range. I tend to be taking some outfielders I like more. So this is kind of the lowest that I've had Upton ranked in quite some time. And again, he's a good player. There's nothing wrong with him. He's 31 years old. Uh, you know, he's a he's a 30 homer guy. Probably 90, 95 RBIs. Doesn't run as much anymore. But he had eight steals last year, and that's fine. I've always said if you you can get a few guys that give you eight to ten steals, they add up. It really matters. People say, oh, only eight steals. No, I'll take a couple of those guys and then hopefully get a few 20 to 25 and just let them pile up. So 
he had 14 steals two years ago, uh, 30 home runs in three straight years. So he's a fine player, not great in average, but not a killer. 257 last year, 268 for his career. So it's just that maybe the player we were hoping for Upton to be when he was young is not going to be there. It doesn't mean he's he's a bad player. I'm certainly fine with him. I just haven't found him on any of my teams yet, whereas in the past I did. Uh, and again, I'm not averse to him. I just think this uh, certainly pushes him down just a little bit. Carlos Martinez uh, is not going to throw for two weeks. He's dealing with a shoulder issue. The MRI showed no structural damage, but they're going to reevaluate him on March 5th uh, to determine what to do with the starting program. So this is definitely an issue. You know, he had this problem last year, and maybe he's just more suited to pitch out of the bullpen. And the Cardinals certainly have a lot of options where they have depth in the starting rotation and maybe they move Martinez to the bullpen. So this is something to keep an eye on. I'm definitely not drafting Martinez right now based on where he goes. You know, I see him go in the ninth, 10th round. And for me, that's too risky right now, especially with this shoulder fatigue that Martinez is dealing with. When we return, we'll go over some more baseball news and I'll take a look at my beat Adam Ronis draft on playffwc.com. That's at here, Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. If you guys like winning money, ScoutDFS.com, NHL, on fire right now. If you use the promo code HOTNHL, you get 50% off your sub. It comes with a free seven-day trial, but it expires at midnight Eastern, so now is the time to join. You can get advice from Steve Runner, who won $36,600 last night between DraftKings and FanDuel. He's going to join us at 3.40 p.m. Eastern to tell us how he did it and why you need to join ScoutDFS.com. Also, don't forget, sign up right now, PlayFFWC.com, for our Scout 44s and 88s, the two leagues. In the waiting room are Beat Dr. Roto Leagues, because my league is underway. So you can join. It's $44 or 88 it's 12-team leagues, 44-round draft, and all you do is set your lineup. That's it. No waiver wire moves, no trades, nothing. You just set your lineup each week, and it ends September 1st. Uh, so you don't have to worry about setting your lineup during football. I know that's sometimes an issue for people, but hey, not for me. I can multitask. So I was in four of these leagues last year, finished first and three and second in the other. So if you think you're great, Challenge me because uh, once those fill, there'll be another uh, beat Adam Ronis. So, so check it out today. Uh, some quick other news. Miguel Sano is wearing a walking boot on his right foot. He had a laceration on his heel. So nothing serious. They just don't want it to open. He's also in much better shape, too. He did some yoga. He moved in with his sister, who was basically the nutritionist. He was basically over 290 pounds last year. They're saying he's lost at least a dozen pounds. So... That's a big deal. You know, Sano had a nightmarish season last year. A lot of injuries, off-the-field stuff, hit only 199. 
But we know this guy has legit power. 28 homers in 114 games in 2017, 25 in 2016. Certainly strikes out a ton. Uh, not going to be a great average guy. Certainly better in OBP leagues. But he is very cheap right now. I haven't taken him in any drafts yet, but I am open to it. I really love the Twins lineup and what they are doing right now. Uh, They've added some pieces. I see some of the players that have down years are going to improve, so I really like what the Twins are doing now. So definitely opening to taking a look at Snow if I need some power. Malik Smith is unlikely to be ready to play the outfield for the Mariners when they open in Japan. Remember, there are two games early this year, March 20th and 21st, the A's and Mariners in Japan. Then most other teams open the 28th, which is a Thursday. So keep that in mind as you are scheduling your drafts. I'm sure many of them are already scheduled. So they're saying Malik Smith can be a DH or a pinch runner. So, I mean, this really doesn't downgrade him much because he should be ready to go the following week, I would think. Uh, they home they open at home on the 28th against the Red Sox. But Malik Smith is just not a player that I draft. He does not fit my builds. And, you know, you, I always say there's a price for everyone because – I'll give two examples. Last year, I didn't like Trey Turner at three. I wasn't going to take him. I just didn't feel he was in that right spot. And I was in a draft where Trey Turner fell to 12. <laughs> of course I took him. So you have to be open. And then I remember a couple years ago where I typically don't take closes early in redraft leagues, especially where you can make waiver wire moves. Kenley Jansen was there like, I think it was early seventh round as everyone else had the same mentality of waiting on closers. I took Kenley Jansen. So... You have to be flexible, and maybe some people have the same mentality as you, and a player drops. I just don't see myself getting Malik Smith. There's going to be at least a few people in my draft that are more excited about him. I just cannot take a guy on my team that's going to give me three, four, five home runs and 40, 45 RBIs. It does not fill the bill, fit the build that I have. doesn't mean it can't work. I'm sure there's people out there where they had Malik Smith last year and won. Obviously, he was cheaper with speed being such a premium this year. Malik Smith is climbing up draft boards and seeing him going around seven, around eight. Now, if you get a ton of power early on, maybe he fits, but I think it hurts. It's just, it does not work for me. So I will have Malik Smith lower in my rankings than pretty much everyone else. Uh, I'm just not going to overpay for the speed. I'll find a way to get it done. I'll show you when I talk about my team coming up and, you know, I usually am able to get it done. Maybe there are a team or two where it's a little bit light where I can work out a trade or shoot for some steals on the waiver wire. I will reinforce this again. You don't need to win every category. It would be great. I would like 15s across the board. There's a lot of things I would like, including the $300 million that Manny Machado just got. But it's not going to happen. We have to be realistic. So we want to be competitive in the steals category in Roto Leagues. And head-to-head leagues, which I know we don't talk about enough and a lot of you guys playing them, I think you can punt the category. I always said if you play in a league with 10 categories, you need to dominate 7 to 8. You don't need balance across the board. And you can have the plan going into draft to punt those categories. Or maybe the draft goes and you look at your first four picks and you're like, wow, I really don't have any speed. I don't have a guy that's going to get double-digit steals. That's where maybe you pivot and say, you know what? I see others are overpaying for speed. I'm not going to do it. Or you can go light on speed and maybe get some stolen bases and then through the course of the season, work it up. But I do think in head-to-head leagues, you you can punt a category or two because balance is not always the right way to go because even the best players are going to have down weeks. So you could have uh, a bunch of stolen base guys. You could have Billy Hamilton, Alberto Mondesi, 
and Whit Merrifield, and what if those guys in a given week just struggle and don't get on base, and they combine to give you three stolen bases? Not a lock. You win the category. So I think that is one of the areas where if you are in a head-to-head league, you can punt that. Alex Bregman made throws across the diamond yesterday for the first time since he had the surgery in January to remove loose bodies from his right elbow. I think some people have been concerned about Bregman a little bit. He's kind of been pushed down the board because he's coming off this surgery, but that's definitely a good sign. Bregman should smash this year if he's healthy. I definitely feel a lot better seeing him in the spring and looking at him being okay. Guy turns 25 in March, coming off a great year, one of the top young hitters in baseball, 286. He had a 394 OBP, so keep that in mind in OBP leagues and tout wars are OBP. He had 105 runs, 31 homers, 103 RBAs, and 10 stolen bases. So great lineup. Uh, he walked more than he struck out, and not something that we see very often anymore. He had 96 walks, 85 strikeouts for Bregman last year. Also had a ton of fly balls, almost uh, 44%. Uh, the hard hit rate has gone up each year, but very good hitter. And as long as he's healthy, he should have a very, very productive year. I want to take a look at my Scout 44 right now, and I'll talk about it over the next few days and kind of give you an idea of my thoughts as I put my team together. So I had the 11th pick out of 12. This is a 12-team league. And again, if you want to join and sign up, you can play against Dr. Order right now, playffwc.com. No waiver wire moves, just draft and set your lineup each week. So really no surprises early on. We saw Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Max Scherzer went three. Which we see sometimes, and I think some people value the starting pitching a little bit more in this format because you can't make any moves. If you have a league where you can go to the waiver wire, yeah, you can find pitching off waivers, and you could do it that way. But pitching does get pushed up the board a little bit. Uh, Not as much in this one, though, compared to some of the 15-team leagues in the other draft champions that I did. Nolan Arenado went four, and we usually see him fall. Because he doesn't contribute in the stolen base category. But he has such a high floor in all the other four categories. And I just think people are so conscious of getting stolen bases early this year. That it's pushing a guy like Nolan Arenado down the board. And I have no problem taking him. I mean, preferably I would like to get some stolen bases with that first pick. Especially if I'm in a real competitive league too. Where I know that it's going to be a little bit more difficult to attain those steals. But it's hard to argue with Nolan Arenado as an early first-round pick, uh, considering what he does in the four categories. You're just going to have to do – you're going to have to be conscious of getting stolen bases later on in the draft. G.D. Martinez goes five. Another guy, too, that we've kind of seen slip to eight, nine, ten. Similar situation is he doesn't steal bases. So people are looking at – a different player that contributes in the stolen base category. But J.D. Martinez coming off another monster year, and maybe he doesn't repeat those numbers, but it's been 40-plus homers two straight years. And uh, I guess the one question you have with him is health. We have seen him get banged up at times, but he should produce at a high level. Trey Turner follows, Ronald Acuna, Christian Yelich. Would love to get Christian Yelich in that spot. And I understand Yelich. There were some very fortunate numbers last year for Yelich. His home run to fly ball rate was 35%. And we know that's not going to continue. 
Yelich has never been a guy that hit a lot of fly balls. And I think we thought, okay, going to Milwaukee, much better hitters park than Miami, that we'd see a jump in home runs. And we did. He doubled his home run total from 2017. He went from 18 to 36, 118 runs, 110 RBIs, 22 steals, and batted 326. So clearly it was a monster year for Yelich, but we know he's a good hitter. And yeah, the average might come down a little bit, but he's still a 300 guy to me. He had a 373 Babbitt last year. His career mark is 359. It's just the home runs I don't think you can expect to repeat. He had a fly ball rate of 23.5% last year. I mean, that's insane uh, how low it was. Uh, and his career home run to fly ball rate is 20.3%, and it was 35% last year. But he does make a lot of hard contact. But even if Yelich goes down to 26 home runs, he's going to be a contributor across the board. So he gives you a high floor. And I think that's what you want in a first-round pick is a very high floor. You know, we've seen years where Trout doesn't return number one value, but he gives you a high floor every single year. And that's what you want out of your first-round pick. So Yelich going... Uh, at pick eight, like that spot if I can get him. Jose Ramirez fell all the way to nine, which is uh, a little stunning because we've seen him go three in a lot of drafts. And it's been well documented. He did not have a good second half last year. He really struggled against breaking pitches. He got off to a slow start, then was on a ridiculously torrid pace and then slowed down towards the end of the season. But as a whole, over the course of the season, the numbers were very good. Uh, and you really worry more about the peaks and valleys and head-to-head formats. Roto, obviously, you just get the cumulative numbers across the season. He only batted 270 uh, after hitting 312 and 318 in 2016 and 17. Career high, though, 39 homers, 105 RBIs, 110 runs, 34 stolen bases. So uh, he walked more than he struck out. Uh, and the average certainly was a little bit unfortunate. He had a 252 BABIP. His career mark is 292. So I think a lot of people start to... Worry about that second half a lot, but he hit a lot more fly balls last year. The hard contact was pretty good. So it's just a matter of now him adjusting on these breaking pitches where uh, obviously he showed a struggle last year. So that's as late as I've seen Jose Ramirez go. Chris Sale went at 10, and I had pick 11. And I went with Jacob DeGrom. And I usually don't take a pitcher in the first round, but in this format last year, I did a variety of different things and was able to win different ways. And that's a point that needs to be hammered home. You know, everyone will say, well, this is the way to win. This is the blueprint. There are de- definitely different ways to win. You know, I did a draft last year in this format where I went Mookie Betts and then three straight pitchers. And those three straight pitchers were Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, and Jacob DeGrom. So when I did that, and obviously I waited on pitching for a long time, I think I even got Trevor Bauer later in that league. So obviously I hammered the pitching. Uh, just because, to me, it was value. It was not part of the plan at all. These just guys kept falling. I said, all right, I'll take advantage. So looking at what was on the board, like to me, the bats were pretty similar. Nothing stood out. DeGrom, obviously, I get to see pitch quite often, and he had a ridiculous season last year. And you can't expect him to repeat that. I mean, the ERA that he had, 1.70, you're never going to project anyone for that. But DeGrom has been you know, a good pitcher, for several years now, going back to 2014, his ERAs over those that time span, 269, 254, 304, 353, and last year, 170. So you can pencil in DeGrom, I think, for an ERA under three. He's had double-digit strikeouts, Ks per nine, the last two years. Uh, 
strikeout percentage of 29% in 2017, 32.2%. Walk rate's always been good. Just really tough to hit. So even if the numbers come back to the fit numbers, they're still going to be very good. He gave up very little hard contact, and this guy just knows how to pitch. Uh, good fastball, slider curve, change, just makes hitters look foolish at times. And unfortunately, he just did not get the, the wins last year as well. You know, he, he's often in the strike zone, 66.5% first pitch strike rate. Only had 10 wins last year. The Mets just did not give him any offensive run support. But the lineup is better. I really don't worry about wins. I mean, he should, if he continues to pitch like he did last year, he should get 15 to 17 wins. We know from year to year, sometimes that run support can change. So I went with DeGrom. The team in the turn went Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge. And I really wanted Aaron Judge. I couldn't believe it. Aaron Judge, I've seen go 16, 17. Aaron Judge goes 13 in this. I think you can make a case for Judge, maybe not in a 12, but in a 15 team league, being a first round pick. And I was skeptical of Judge going into last year. And I was wrong. Well, I mean, he didn't live up to the value because he got hurt. But what he did in 112 games, 278, 27 homers, 67 ribbies, 77 runs, and six stolen bases. Again, another guy that can give you some steals. He had nine in 2017, six last year. So say eight, nine, maybe 10. Guy's got elite power. He's in a good lineup. He walks a ton. You give him a big boost in OBP leagues. He'll absolutely be a first-round pick in Tout Wars on March 5th when I'm uh, in the Mixed League Tout Wars draft uh, because of his OBP. 392 last year, 422 in his first full season. So I really wanted Aaron Judge with that second pick, and he was sniped. So I went with Manny Machado. Obviously, this was before. And I, I might have gone in a different direction, but Machado in this format has eligibility at third and short. So it gives me some flexibility to move him around, but I uh, was hoping to get Aaron Judge. He went after Machado was Harper, Bregman, Lindor fell. Obviously, people have some concerns about that calf injury. And I think the big concern is, you know, how much does he run uh, early in the year, especially when he comes back. Uh, round three, again, uh, went with Trevor Bauer. You know, there was uh, 11 pitchers off the board at that point, and I've seen Bauer go – Late second, early third in a lot of drafts. So I felt, okay, uh, you're going to leave that value on the board. Trevor Bauer was someone that I pimped hard last year. I wrote an article as part of our draft kick saying, you know, this should be the year that he gets to 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. Well, he easily eclipsed the 200 strikeout mark. He did not get to 200 innings, though, because he got hurt late in the year. Uh, 175 in a third innings last year. So he's yet to get to 200. He was at 190 in 2016. But even if Bauer only gets 180 this year, you will gladly take it. You hope for 200. He had 221 strikeouts last year, a 2.21 ERA. And some might be skeptical because it's the first time in his career he had an ERA under four, which I noted in that article last year. But you could see the improvements he made in the second half of 2017. And he's always had the filthy stuff. It's just taken him some time to put it together. Throws a variety of pitches. Has that really good slider. So I think Bauer is not a fluke. I think he will repeat. It's just taking him some time to get going. And uh, he just threw a lot more first pitch strikes last year. That was the big difference, 63.7%. He was always a guy around the 56 to 59% range. So last year, he attacked the strike zone more, and it certainly worked for him, and he produced. So I'm buying in. So I took two pitchers in the first three rounds. Uh, I'm going to take the value that's presented to me. And to me, Bauer was a value there. 
When we return, I'm going to be joined by Anthony Aniano of Rotobola.com. He's participating in the Tout Wars draft and holding right now. We'll talk to him about his team next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here at Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Make sure you check out ScoutFantasySports.com right now. I have a player that's going after round 15 that I see a breakout coming from. I see 30 home runs, and if you look at his stats from last year, you're going to think I'm nuts. But become a member today. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months and find out who this player is and why you want to draft him on your fantasy team right now. Joined by Anthony Aniano of rotoballer.com. Anthony, what's up? Not much, Adam. How you been? Pretty good. Uh, we got the big news today. Finally, Manny Machado has a team. He lands in San Diego with the Padres, and I think everyone's initial thought is like, oh, that's not good, Petco Park. But we have seen it be a little bit more friendly to right-handed hitters. What is your assessment now of Manny Machado? Where do you think he belongs in drafts this year? Um, I still think he's going to stay where he is, which seems to be, you know, top 15, definitely top 20, end of first round, into the second round is where he's been going. You know, I'm not too concerned about the Petco factor. End of the season, we know what Machado is. He's 30 homers, 100 RBIs. He doesn't strike out. That's not going to change. This is a guy who strikes out only about 16% of the time for his career. Um, I'm always a little nervous with a guy first year in a new contract. We've seen a plenty of solid players struggle trying to justify a contract. But overall, Machado is what he is. Um, $30 million a year, $10 million for the next, you know, $300 million for the next 10 years. It's crazy money for a guy who 10 years from now, he doesn't like to hustle now. We'll see what he's doing in 10 years. Now, Matty Machado, you're in a Tout Wars draft and whole league, uh, 15 teams on base percentage league. Do you have a lot of experience in this format where you basically just draft your team and, and that's it? You just set a lineup each week. I've done some in the NFBC. Um, it's different. It's interesting. I do think it changes some strategy um, a little bit uh, in terms of pitchers and especially in terms of closers. Uh, you know you're not going to have that waiver wire. You know you're not going to be able to make a trade. So you you, you do a little bit more um, um, backing up your closers, backing up your relievers, you know, willing to take the chance on a six-starter who may find the path to playing time a little bit later on. 50 rounds, it's a lot of players who are going to be taken. 50 rounds, 15 teams. So a lot of guys going through there. Um, so you've got to kind of hedge your bets in certain spots. That, to me, is the biggest difference. The guy who's going to provide value in July, you need to find him today when you're doing this draft because if you don't draft him today, he's not going to be available to you. 
Yeah, that's always the key. I remember in one of the drafts I did last year, it was like round 28, round 29, I got Jesus Aguiar, and he really mm -hmm. helped me to a second-place finish. So it is key finding those players. And I think a lot of us knew Aguiar was good. We just, going into the year, looked at the situation and said, well, how's he going to get playing time? So I think that's the key is you're looking for talented players that you know if they somehow got the at-bats, they could provide good numbers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. Aguilar is a perfect example of that. You know, guys like a few years back, a, a Mitch Hanniger type, players who really came along and took a next step. Those guys you could get late are the guys who can really bring you to a victory. Talking to Anthony Aniano of rotoballer.com, you had pick 11 in this. When you knew that you had 11, what was the first thought going in your mind? Did you say, okay, these are the guys that I think are going to be here? And uh, it turns out Trey Turner was the guy that you took. Was he part of the draft plan, or were you surprised to see him fall that far? I was a little bit surprised. There were two, a um, couple of surprises that went before me. Um, I wasn't sure about Bregman coming off the elbow. Um, I didn't know where we'd see the first pitcher go. So we saw Max Scherzer go a couple of picks before me as well. Um, I'm perfectly content in that first round. I would have been happy. Uh, with a few different players. I had Jacob DeGrom as a potential if I wanted to start the pitching run. Um, but I thought Turner would go a little bit earlier. I thought Bregman would slip. I thought Machado would slip. I was very happy with Turner at 111. Uh, there's a 20-40 guy. Remember, it's an on-base percentage league, so that's been a big focus of my draft. Everybody I've drafted on the offensive side is 340 or better on-base percentage. Nobody with a higher than a 22% strikeout rate, uh, and all their walk rates are over 7%. So I'm really focusing on that on-base percentage and focusing on some power. Do you think people have, because I think it is, there is a tendency at times, I've kind of seen it. I've been in the Tout Wars mixed league draft the last few years, and it did shift to OBP. Do you think sometimes people have a tendency to overrate it and think about it too much? It still is one category. Um... Yes and no. I don't want it to sacrifice power, but I do think you need to have some semblance of, of balance. You know, it's just, it's bad. It, you know, it's replaced batting average. If you focused on batting average, you focused on, on, on base percentage. If batting average was something you were willing to slide into, you know, I, I don't believe in tanking uh, um, a category. Uh, uh, a, um, a category would be, I guess, the word. Um, I don't believe in tanking one. But I don't have to win them all either. If I could come in uh, sixth or seventh place in a few places, or fourth or fifth place, top six or seven, and then win a few categories, I like my chances. I'm focusing on runs. I'm focusing on home runs and uh, on base percentage. Middle of the pack in power, middle of the pack in steals, and I think I'll be all right. Then in round two, you went with uh, Freddie Freeman. Was this an easy call for you? Did you debate it? Giancarlo Stanton went right after Corey Kluber and Francisco Lindor, who has really fallen due to the calf injury. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your thinking there, and how did you eventually wind up on Freeman as the round two pick? When it came to me in round two, I had three players on my list. Bryce Harper, Paul Goldschmidt, and Freddie Freeman. Um, I had a feeling Harper would go. And I knew at this point I'm finding first base to probably probably be the thinnest position of all this year. Um, and it's very top-heavy. So I wanted to fill that first base spot with a player who was going to be out there every day. And that was either Goldschmidt or Freeman. 
Goldschmidt went right before me. Bryce Harper, two picks before me. So I happily grabbed Freeman. I mean, we're talking a super consistent player. 20-plus homers, 90-plus RBIs. I mentioned the on-base percentage is 388. He doesn't strike out. Uh, he's as solid as can be. Braves lineup is better. Acuna, uh, Josh Donaldson. Uh, I was all in. I, hit, I clicked on Freeman as soon as I saw him available. Yeah, Freeman, uh, I get to see him a lot, and he's, to me, one of the better hitters. He gets a ton of line drives. Uh, the park is suited for left-handers. It just, it's been a little surprising that the, the power was only 23 homers last year. He played in 162 games. It looked like he was on the rise in 2016 when he had 34 home runs. He had 28 in 117 games in 2017 before he had that wrist injury. I would have loved to see what he could do. But, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned OBP. I mean, this is a guy that you can, you know, 380, 390, potential for 400. He's been at at least 400 two of the last three years. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, to me, if the Braves make the run they're capable of making, this is an MVP candidate. And if you're getting an MVP candidate at the 20th pick overall, you got, you got to take that leap. 32.3% line drive rate last year, which obviously I don't think is going to repeat, but his career, almost 28%. Guy just smokes yeah. the ball, really good hitter. And if he could just uh, hit for a little bit more power, forget it, sick numbers, and uh, also contribute some steals. Not a lot, but I, I say this. You know, people were like, oh, well, he only had eight, nine steals. He had 10 last year. He had eight the year before. Those matter in a category where teams are not running as much. Very few guys right. are, are running. These add up. I want those players. Yeah, no, absolutely. You give me 20 and 10 guys to go with a Trey Turner who's going to give me, you know, 40 stolen bases. I don't need to go invest in another 40 stolen base player now. I feel like I have my 40. I have Freddie Freeman with 10. George Springer could give me anywhere six, seven, eight, maybe even push 10, batting at the top of the Astros lineup. Those 10s and 10s and 10s, those all add up, and you're, you end up kind of where you want to be in that category. Now, in round three, you took Steven Strasburg, and like Kramer, I'm out on Strasburg. I, just... I, didn't, I didn't want to be in. I will tell you that. <laughs> okay, so is this a case of where you kind of look and you go, oh, man, I, I kind of need to get a pitcher. There's not much I like here. Yeah. I mean, because with Strasburg, look, I, I've drafted him last couple of years. It's just he just can't stay healthy, and I hate I saying that, but it's year after year, and he's been under 150 innings three of the last four years. I know, and what killed me was after Freeman went, much to my surprise, was a huge run on pitchers, and you know, as you know, it's like a four-hour slow draft. So I, I, I was done. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, and every pitcher in my queue was gone, every one of them. Um, left me with the decision between Strasburg and James Paxton, who to me is just as injury-prone, and I don't love the move from Paxton from Seattle to the Yankee to, to the Bronx there, Yankee Stadium. I don't like the park effect there. But both of them are injury-prone. So I looked at uh, Strasburg. Other than the injury issues, the strikeout rate is still excellent. The walk rate is good. The XFIP of 328 uh, leads to uh, a better uh, season than the 374 ERA. Like I said, 156 strikeouts in 130 innings. So everything was there except for the innings. Is this the season he gets healthy? We have to find out. Now, at this point, though, my starting pitching becomes a concern. I just took Mike fulton of the Braves, 183 innings last year, and on the right trajectory, he's increased his innings by about 30 innings the last couple of seasons. He's another guy. 202 strikeouts over those 183 innings. If he could give me close to 200, the next starting pitcher I get gives me that similar amount of innings. 
hopefully I could withstand the yearly Strasburg trip to the DL. Which probably isn't inevitable, but maybe mm-hmm. I won't have him this year. Maybe he throws on. Maybe that'll years. be it. Yeah, because just where he's going right now is price. I just can't see myself having him. But hey, every I've always said, someone else could. Have, everyone in the draft could have the same mentality as you. And there's a certain point in the draft where you go, "All right, it's round five. I'll take Strasburg here, just that, in case." That's this exactly how I was when I saw the lames. I mean, the pitchers who went after Strasburg were Clevinger of Cleveland, James Paxton, and Jamison Tyon. Those were the next four starting pitch, the next three starting pitchers. So for me, knowing what was left, Strasburg was worth the risk. Round four, you took George Springer over Chris Davis. Was this for OBP? I mean, Chris Davis is one of the more consistent power hitters. You know, career high forty eight last year, three straight years of at least forty two, three straight years of at least hundred RBIs. And OBP has been, you know, three twenty, three thirty the last couple of years. Uh, what was uh, the reasoning for taking Springer over Chris Davis? I just think there's a lot more upside still with Springer. Um, the, the last season in, in 140 games, the 22 home runs, the 71 RBIs, I don't think we've seen the best of Springer. Again, for, uh, I like the strikeout. I'm a big I don't believe in high strikeout rate batters. I just don't. I know some people don't worry about it as much. I do. His strikeout rate has gone down from when 2015 it was at about 24%. He now got it down to under 20%. He walks a ton, over 10% every year of his career. Near the top of that Houston lineup, should score you 100 runs and drive in about 85. 20 to 30 home run power. Again, nice on-base percentage at 346. Kind of covers everything for you. He's stolen as many as 16 bases. I don't expect that coming at about 10. Covers everything. I know the Chris Davis power is there, but I just felt Springer covers more ground for me in a 5x5. You follow that up with Nicholas Castellanos, a guy that I've liked a lot the last couple of years, had him on quite a few teams. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen the big power numbers yet, but considering that Tigers lineup, he put up pretty solid numbers across the board. And we did see his OBP, a career high 354 last year. What do you like about Castellanos? Again, he's another guy. He, he fulfills quite a 95 RBIs uh, on average the last two years, about 24, 25 home runs. 298 batting average, that should come down a little bit. That bat bit last year of 361 is very high. Might kind of correct itself a little bit. Doesn't strike out, draws some walks. And again, 350 on base percentage. Another player, not going to give me any steals, but the run scored, the RBIs, the home runs, I still don't think we've seen the most of his power yet either. Only 26 years old. So he's another guy who could give me that 25, that 340, 350 on base percentage drive in some runs in the middle of that Tiger lineup. You mentioned round six. You took your second picture, Mike Fultonewich, uh, before him, where David Price, Herman Marquez, Grinky, and then right before you, Zach Wheeler. Were any of those the intended target, and you kind of settled for Fultonewich, or was Fultonewich the guy you like above most of them? Wheeler was the guy I wanted there. Um, I thought Wheeler's second half last season for the Mets was tremendous. So Wheeler was the guy I wanted. I was fine with Fultonewich. That spike in strikeout rates from two seasons ago to last year was impressive. Uh, he's playing on, uh, depending on where Bryce Harper signs, you're playing on probably the best team in the National League East. But when you talk about that strikeout jump from 2016, 2017 of 20.7% to 27% last year, walks to strike, uh, K to walk rate jumped from 12 to 18%. And batting average against in 2017 was 271. Last year was 194. 
Fulton Everett took all the right steps uh, for me to, to be all in on him this year as my second starter. I was interested in Carlos Martinez. I saw on Twitter he's already having arm issues. He's now off my draft board, so I'm glad I ended up with Fulton Everett. That is good timing. That is one of the things about slow drafts. Timing yeah. can be everything, right? You, you could have made that pick, and then you see that note on Twitter right after you take him. Yeah, you know, he was in my queue, Carlos Martinez, along with a few others. And I was just, you know, sitting around, scrolling through, and I saw the note. And I kind of helped seal the deal to that he is now on my do not draft list. I know it's only six rounds, but uh, thoughts on picking 11 in a 15 team. Do you like it or not? Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I uh, In this and some other leagues, I look to be in that 8 to 12 range. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to be on either end. I feel like the wait is too long. You can miss a run. Even at 11, I missed that run of starting pitchers that went through from round two into round three. If you're on one of the ends, you've got to either start that run or you're going to miss it. Uh, I'm hoping in this spot I'll be okay and catch the tail ends or start the runs myself. So you don't want pick one this year and get Mike Trout? Um, it's not a must. To me, Adam, there's so much talent in the first round that – you're not winning or losing your draft there. You're winning or losing it later on. So I wanted to be kind of in the center of everything as the draft went on. All right. That is Anthony Aniano. You can find him rotoballer.com. We'll be following in this draft. Long way to go. Round six. Long way to go. Long got way 50. to go. 50 rounds, four hours between each pick. We could probably do this conversation for the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we can. Uh, I'm in one now. It's actually flying pretty well. So uh, if you get a good group, uh, the picks can move along relatively quickly and uh, certainly is good that way. But we do have people on different coasts, so that sometimes can impede some of the progress. Yeah, exactly. We had a good start yesterday. Things have kind of slowed down a little bit today. Yeah, maybe people waiting on that breaking news, see who signs next. Uh, That's it. Why? <laughs> Use the clock to your advantage. <laughs> that is true. That's one of the things that you can do. All right, Anthony Aniano, you can find him at rotoballer.com. Anthony, thanks a lot for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Adam. Thanks a lot. No problem. Again, you can follow that draft. A lot of guys are posting it. Uh, it's on fantracks.com. Uh, we're going to have Matt Modica coming up. He is in this draft. He picked from the five spot. He's going to join me at 320 p.m. Eastern. And then Steve Renner, who won over $36,000 last night, he'll join me at 3.40 p.m. Eastern. That's all ahead right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.